Hey, what's up, sinners and choosers? Welcome to Choose Your Own Religion. My name is Joe. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I have an excellent premium episode here right ready for you. Jessica Michelle Singleton is my guest this week, and I was actually just a guest on her podcast called Ignorance is Blessed, which you should check out. It was the conversation we had uh, immediately before this one, so uh, it's a little uh, little two-parter conversation uh, on, a, on a different feed over there. So uh, check out Ignorance is Blessed podcast. Jessica is one of my favorite comedians. She is a paid regular at the Comedy Store, which is uh, it's a big deal, folks. She's uh, an awesome comedian, awesome podcast, uh, great person, too. What a bonus. And I think if I really had to explain what I love about Jessica and what I've always related to her is she, she has a way of talking about her depression and mental health and her own inner torment in ways that are just so incredibly relatable to me and... And so uh, if you're into any of that kind of stuff, you will love her. So check her out when she's at the Comedy Store, her podcast, her album. Her album is Please Don't Leave Me. Her podcast is Ignorance is Blessed. Uh, Her Twitter feed. Give her a follow. She's great. We recorded this on top of a damn mountain. That's right. Live from Deb's Park in Los Angeles. Uh, We're doing something a little different. And uh, because we were on the road and I dropped my mic at some point, Apparently, that resulted in me uh, losing my microphone audio at the last couple of minutes of the podcast. But luckily, during a lot of that, Jessica was basically uh, giving a a more in-depth explanation of how her 10-day meditation retreat that was uh, very life-changing for her. And so uh, I put that part in, but there's that's why there's going to be a one weird part near the end of the conversation where it just sort of cuts off. Uh, and then we jumped to Jessica doing that. Anyway, thank you for bearing with me. Uh, it's, it's live production folks, but, uh, if you like this episode, go to choose for old episodes and the latest live events. If you want to put on a live storytelling show, send me an email, Joe at choose Anyway, leave a rating or review. Hey, actually, here's the thing. If you leave a rating or a review of this podcast on iTunes, I will send you a free sticker. That's right. You go put a digital review of something totally in the ether, and I will send you a physical, hard, yet flexible sticker that you can attach to whatever you want that has the sweet Choose Your Own Religion logo. Free. Postage included, because I'm a freak. Uh... (laughs) Anyway, I'll send you a free sticker if you leave a, a rating on iTunes and uh, e- send me an email to joe at chooseyourownreligion.com. All right, on with it. I love you. Here's Jessica. Allow the soothing music and uplifting affirmations to center your heart and mind in an awareness of God's love. Wake up, my dear sinners. Wake up from your deep rest. Won't you say your prayers and know that you are blessed? I love you, oh, but Jesus loves you the best. And I hope that you choose your own religion. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. We just did your podcast. We uh, did. Which is Ignorance is Blessed. Yes, go check it out. It was great. Thank you for doing that. Thank There's you. So much insight, by the way. I don't know how much you get into your own stuff on your own podcast. So you guys, if you want like deep Joe cuts <laughs> and all about what he's up to and his UU uh, journey. 
Well, and if you want to know uh, about Jessica, also da- get your album. It's still just the one album. So still just far, one. Right? Yeah. All right. That feels just like an attack. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, it's called Please Don't I Leave Me. I the way I said that was the shittiest no, way I'm to say that. No, I'm sitting on an hour right now, and I'm waiting to see. I'm on hold for if people want to produce a special for me. Otherwise, mm. I might just put it out myself. Mm. It's just uh, some of the bits are, they can stand on their own audio, but I'm a very silly physical energetic person on stage mm. and i don't want that to be lost on some of the bits i have in this new hour totally. so yeah i may just we'll see i might self-produce and just put it out uh as my own thing like it does my album that worked out and i i love that album uh please don't leave me oh thank uh, you and i love your stand-up always have and um anyway thanks for also thanks for coming <laughs> literally on top of a mountain yeah we hiked up this is beautiful like thank you for inviting me and suggesting this because we hiked up here once before and I haven't been here in a while, and now I'm almost like, well, I'm fucking pissed because I don't live over here. But I'm like, <laughs> God, I want to come here every day. This is so It's It's really lovely. tranquil, yeah, um, here in Deb's Regional Park in Los yes. Angeles. Uh, it's been like, and I love this particular place we're at. We, we were at the more of the, like, overlooking the city, like, this I'm on top of This is a little oasis. Oh, this is a nice little oasis, a little reservoir. Um, I was just hiking up here, like, a week or two ago. Also mourning the fact that I'm not going to live near this yeah, place. Yeah, like, uh, what will I do? You're going to have to find Boston hikes. I know. Well, they don't have the they don't have anything like this, unfortunately. No, just, I mean, you just hike to a they bar. They have some parks and stuff, but <laughs> they, they, you know they have parks you can walk like the Boston Common. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, that's true. But in like yards and squares and whatever. Oh but, like, yeah, Harvard Yard. Yeah, yeah. No park, more park the car there, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I'm definitely going to miss this place. But I was like hiking up here. I'm like, oh man. I, I was thinking about like I'd love to hike with Jessica again. I was like, oh. I want <laughs> to do a podcast with her and I was like this would be fucking great too. yeah no I'm I'm like I want to do more podcasts in nature right this <laughs> is great I want to have I want to find a spot where I can do mine regularly doesn't it like shift your own perspective a little bit it does yeah it's just it's just sort of calming yeah too um it's definitely less claustrophobic than my studio yeah, apartment. Being like a, yeah just <laughs> being sure. hunched over a table or whatever yeah. this is really nice so anyway uh thanks for coming on I was I'm uh, just always Love hanging out with you and uh, catching Same. up. I feel like we're on a very similar wavelength when we talk about spirituality. I and think stuff. so too. And I really enjoy all of our conversations. One thing I wanted to, uh, I was asking you about briefly uh, as we were coming up, and I wanted you to talk about was your one woman show that I am so mad I didn't get to see. I'm sorry. I, there no, was supposed okay. to be another one, and then I just didn't get a date from the theater. Is it? Yeah, is this something you, you plan to do more in the future, or is it kind of like retired? In I kind of don't know. Yeah. I didn't think about um, my roommate who directed the film portion because there's a video portion within it. Mm. Um, he was like, "Why didn't you submit it to Hollywood Fringe?" And I was like, "I that didn't even cross my mind. <laughs> it just slipped my mind." And I was yeah. like, "So I might submit it to like a few other like Fringe festivals and Sweet. run it, or maybe there's I just just discovered around the corner from me I want to go in and take a look but a little black box theater so I thought about reaching out to them and being like could I do a small residency or you know once a month just for a little while because it does feel weird to go like all right I did it it's done and there are so many people because I did it so so, like a whole month in Edinburgh Mm -hmm. and I've done it twice in the states and there are a lot of people that are like oh god I would really like to see that show which makes me feel really nice and I feel like it's a different side of me that's very there's like emotional aspects and I I like to think that it has meaning for some people or 
makes people think in certain mm-hmm. ways. So I would like to do it more. But well, what did uh, what was the experience that spawned the All right. spawned the show? Well, um, the show's called Codependent Arising. Um, I'm the codependent. Um, <laughs> the experience that spawned it was a ten day silent meditation I did. It was a vipassana meditation in uh, Joshua Tree awesome. that I did yeah. in tu- in 2017. I had always wanted to do Edinburgh, the, f- the French Fest, or I mean for years I've been talking about it, but I knew that I was like, I don't think I want to do regular stand-up. But I had no idea what I wanted to do, and I was like, I'm just going to let, when it comes to me, it'll come to me, and that'll be that, and I'm not worried about it. Um, in mid-2017, I went through a breakup, and it was pretty devastating it wasn't like just the breakup itself, but the breakup sort of, and I didn't realize this till later, like triggered a bunch of realizations within me about mm. like abandonment issues and my uh, inability to love or mm. not love, but like uh, let people love me. Uh, and I sort of went into this almost cartoonishly eat, pray, love type of <laughs> spiral where I was like, I booked a trip to Hawaii with my other friend who went through a breakup. I was like, let's just go to Hawaii. I had been talking about doing these 10 day silent meditations with um, Dana Moon, another comedian, a friend of mine who has been into meditation more than me or longer than me. Like, and I don't know if she's still doing it regularly. I think she probably is, but she's the one that sort of, I don't want to say I knew about meditation, but I sort of have tried it through her. And then like, we had always talked about doing it, but it's 10 days. It's a huge fucking commitment. Yeah. And so I had signed up twice before and canceled. (laughs) <laughs> the last time I'd signed up, by the way, was an exact year before for one exact year before. And I start and I was dating my the my at the time boyfriend. And he's like, oh, you can come to my family's Christmas. And I'm like, I should do that instead. Uh, so, Big mistake. Yeah, you <laughs> fucking bastard. Great family, though. Um, <laughs> so after the breakup, I was like, I'm signing up. I'm doing it. Um, and I just I didn't know what I was looking for. I was like, I just need some sort of clarity i was i just felt so overwhelmed by my own emotions like i was spiraling and i was like i need to try to get a handle on how i feel because i felt i i mean i uh have always been a hypersensitive person and i have a tendency to um drown in my own emotions which i mean is a whole thing in and of itself Mm -hmm. but um i i wanted some sort of clarity so that was just I also signed up for guitar lessons. <laughs> I did one and I was like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> what am I doing? I would love to play guitar, but I fucking have a million things to do. I don't want to do two days of guitar. <laughs> yeah, it's like, ah, kill me. Um, I'm like, why am I not an expert? <laughs> um, so yeah, I signed up for this 10-day silent meditation and all my friends were like, really? Like you're going to do a silent meditation? You, the girl who I've never heard be quiet? <laughs> and even Dana was like, you're really doing it? I don't think Dana thought I would do it. Like, I, I don't think anyone, if you would have looked at us on paper, would think that I would do that before Dana would. Uh-huh. Um, and I tried, I was like, sign up with me, but she couldn't, but schedule, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was over Christmas. And the thing is, is that there were a lot of people like, wow, that's, you're just going to spend Christmas in the desert, like not with your family. And I was like, I, I haven't spent Christmas with my family since I graduated high school. It's just, I'm yeah. just not, we, I don't have a close family. Yeah. I never have. Mm-hmm. I have my extended family, aunts and uncles. I've gone there for some holidays and they're wonderful. It's, you know, I love all of them. It's just, I, I don't have that. Because the household I grew up in with my immediate family, I don't have that big family tie, that bond. It genuinely, uh, I don't know if surprises is the word. I'm fascinated by people who are very close to their family, which sounds so (laughs) condescending. 
And not not in a condescending way, but it mm-hmm. used to be like a I I couldn't wrap my head around it mm. because I'm so detached from my family. I was my um so my dad abandoned the family when I was younger. Uh and then my mom I love her. She suffers from mental illness. I grew up um very neglected. So I've always just kind of been I I had to take care of myself and so it's made me this sort of I'm just on my own, like lone wolf, whatever type. Yeah. Like, I, I get that. Um, I mean, and I, my family was close and sometimes I even felt like an outsider. Like, why am I not feeling this even like, I also look at the people who are like super close, like a lockstep with their family. And I'm yeah. like, man, how do you do that? Yeah. Like but, one of my, my best, one of my best friends from college who was my roommate in my freshman year. That's where we met. Would just, I remember like a couple weeks into college, her getting sad and just being, I just really miss my family. And I, I didn't, I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And I like, I think I spent so much of my, so much of my accidental serial monogamy throughout the years before I started really working on myself more and who knows. And leading up to this meditation has been the desire to like, I want, I would like, I want to miss, I want to feel that. Mm -hmm. I want to feel what it's like to go away and like, not and be so excited to come back yeah because i just go and i you know i do miss people but i don't i'm very out of sight out of mind a lot of times with even the people i love i'm not good at keeping in touch with them because i'm just sort of like i'll see you when i see you Mm -hmm. which has been very helpful in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. but long story long jesus christ (laughs) um so i signed up for this meditation and i was like i'm gonna go and i went and they take your phone and they you know, you no. turn in your keys. Yeah, no. And like, it's just you. You're in a little, it's, you share a room with three or four other people. It's just very simple. You bring your own blanket. You can bring like meditation cushions and stuff, but nothing excessive. They don't want any, you know, Not, don't bring your no crystals. Books. No books. No writing. Wow. Uh, no uh, meds, unless you you can obviously get approved for, I was on, at the time, arthritis medication and they were like yeah no take that <laughs> please take that but no but like if you you're not supposed to take like advil or whatever because uh-huh. a lot of times things pop up in the form of pain when you're mm. meditating and so it's just you and your thoughts for 10 days wow. and you there's a bell that rings at 4 a.m and you walk to just the it was in what i think was an old church it's just a retreat center now uh-huh. where i'm sure people do weddings and business retreats or sure, whatever yeah but you, it's just this sort of meeting area and the women are separated from the men. You don't ever see men. It's just you and other women. And you just sit and you um, are learning this type of meditation. Like the, there's a teacher that speaks a lot and there's a voiceover of this guy, Goenka, who sort of, he didn't, dis- he didn't invent this. It's from Buddhism, mm-hmm. this type of meditation, but he sort of like, re-inter- like it, researched it. There was mm-hmm. a resurrection. What is it? He sort uh, of brought it back. Sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Revived? Yes. Revival. <laughs> yes. yes. And so they're sort of teaching you just this technique of stillness and observing your breath, uh-huh. observing your body. And I had talked before with people about the idea of, of, of observing your thoughts mm-hmm. and being able to let them pass. And and I'd had it happen before through, I've done like alternative types of therapy, sort of like a um, acupressure type of thing where I went to this woman who was honestly... Um, a witch doctor, she might as well have been in my mind. But like mm-hmm. um she would like push on parts of my body and there'd be pain, but it was just energy releasing. Anyway, 
I'm so all over the place. Yeah, it's okay. It's so hard to. There's just people screaming yeah, at each other by the lake. <laughs> yeah, got, all of a sudden got distracted. I know. I was like, it was uh, so serene, and now it's like, it's a park. Why are people in public with me? Like, <laughs> this is the world. Why, why is everyone else in it? <laughs> um, yeah, no. So I went to this 10 day silent meditation, and you have to sit, you know, trying to observe stillness and just come back to your breath. As anyone who's done even a little bit of meditation, that's sort of the 101, the groundwork of come back to your breath or like sometimes thoughts will get away from you, but then you have to come back, but there's no break from it. You're doing 10 days. I mean, there's, you sleep and you eat. They're not like, fuck, keep meditating. Uh-huh. But so, you like, know, I just said, eat, sleep, meditate. Yeah. So it's like this, in this trying to be calm, you have so much come up because it's just you and your thoughts. There's no, so it's, you know, like focus on the breath. I'm feeling a pain. And then all of a sudden that'll go into, I mean, things would just go into flashbacks from my childhood Wow. or just the things you also like you, you re-experience trauma, but also the things you're forced to realize about yourself sort of strip down a lot of your ego mm. because it's so easy when you get broken up with to go like, I'm so hurt. And like, and if you didn't do anything, you know, on the surface wrong, you know, there was no big catalyst. It just didn't work right. out. It's easy to go like, this person hurt me or just go like, what is wrong with me? Why am I so fundamentally unlovable? Or what's Wh- wrong with them? What's wrong with it? Yeah, it's, it's much yeah. easier to go like, they're a bad person, right. you know? And then you have to go, you sort of end up because your br- brain will just wander in these places and you'll really start tearing down this relationship. I mean, it's like being with a therapist but the therapist is just you know the your voice in your head <laughs> or other voices depending yeah. but you start breaking down like where maybe I don't even want to call it faults but things that like maybe were too much for that person or for that relationship where I had to come to terms with the fact that like when I get in a relationship and that was part of realizing my like codependent tendencies is that it's like part of being in a relationship is like yeah sometimes you have someone to lean on you know like you, you have someone like when you need to lean on someone, but I realized that I'm like, Oh, I think I just go like time to lean. And it's like, <laughs> because, but it's because I've spent so much time keeping like my emotions to myself because I felt so isolated mm. because I was that mm. having someone you feel safe with to talk to, then it's like, Oh, I can be safe with you. And then it's too much unloading. Yeah. It's like, there's a, it's like a, a water pressure, but it's instead of water pressure, it's like intimacy pressure. It's like yeah, all it's this built up intimacy that needs like, to <sighs> get felt. And then if you don't have lots, I don't know if you, you don't d- have outlets for it. Yeah. Because, well, that's a huge part of where I'm at on my own journey right now, but I guess I'll finish on the, I'll, I'll stick to the, stick to the, the script, stick to we, where the show are reading from. off of a script right now. Yes. It's this is uh, all pre-written. <laughs> um, I'm a terrible writer. So but. no, it was, <laughs> it was just this 10 day, sort of journey of realizing things about myself, having to, you come to terms with things about yourself that you're like, oh, that's not a likable characteristic, but then also having to just be left alone with this, what I realized had been sort of the trigger point or the root of why was I so devastated by this breakup that was inevitable. Yeah. Not, and not, not, I'm not saying that in a way that every breakup is inevitable, although especially aligning with Vipassana meditation, the concept of this term in Nietzsche, which means impermanence is like most relationships will maybe not come to an end, but they're going to change. They're going to ebb and flow. Well, every, every relationship, everything arises end. to pass away. It does. Every relationship does end. sometimes. It just depends yeah. on how it's going to end. Yeah, exactly. And that's <laughs> you know? the whole concept. And then going like, 
And in that specific relationship that it ended, I could feel it coming. And I get this anxiety in relationships either way of, I could feel the ending coming, but I also, it made me realize that I have an anxiety within intimate relationships where I will, I have ended relationships thinking that there's something wrong. And for years I thought like, no, I was intuitive and coming to realize like I have these triggers that like, actually this person, there was, they had no intention of leaving me Mm -hmm. or whatever, but having to realize all these abandonment issues that are so deep in me that, that like a person breaking up with me goes like, oh, of course you broke up with me. My brain goes, it's like, because everyone leaves me, I am unlovable. Yeah. And having to like sit with that feeling and sort of, just grasp thoughts around that yeah, and find where the reality is versus where some of it is a false trigger. Well, it's, it's sort of the catalyst <clears throat> for the whole show is basically what it is. And what, it, and yeah. that has driven me to codependence in a way that like within relationships, I'm so good at being, there's so few things that I was, would ever say I'm so good at. I'm very good at being who I am and being comfortable with that. In situations where there is no intimate stakes. Mm. Like, and I think most of the people who end up attracted to me, uh, I think that's a part of it. I think part of it is that at my core, when things are, you know, I've had like trauma happen to me, which has created depression and sadness within me. But like at my core, I think I'm a pretty, I'm like a happy person and I have like a very loving heart. And I'm I'm okay just being like my silly weird self, but the minute it's like, oh, is there like is there a thing here? You know, all of a sudden, like if I think a guy likes me or if there's any type of dating, I have this tendency to get into this because of all that unlovability in my mm. subconscious that I go like, well, what? He wouldn't want to be with me, so like, what kind of lady does a guy want to be with? Well, it's, have you ever heard of learned helplessness? I think I've heard that term. It's um the it's the example that I. I'm probably botching the example, but there's uh, a, <laughs> like most things uh, that I'm thinking, like I try to d- describe, but uh, there's a, this concept of like, <clears throat> I think it's relating to like how, like take a dog who has been abused. Like if you, this is a whole problem with like rescuing dogs when we try to is, and why they act so different is yeah. because they've learned, um, they got taught at the really early, they got some, <laughs> some it's like built into the brain stems. Right. And so they that's they've learned they they to based on their own experience they're like, "Oh, well, doing humans make me feel this way. Therefore, like being around humans is not safe." Yeah. Um so it's like if you get hurt early with your intimacy early yeah. in your life and early in your close relationships, it makes sense that you've learned that like, "Oh yeah, being close sucks cuz it leads to fucking pain." Yeah, and I realize that when in in relationships like when I start to get feel close to people and this has been a thing where I'm I have, I have genuinely like stepped so far back and been trying to like tiptoe into any of that is the minute there is that intimacy it's like I can sense what I think a healthy person who doesn't have trauma around intimacy specifically abandonment would feel would be like a positive like this is so exciting this love I feel yeah. it's like turns to pain the, the closest i've ever seen it illustrated in any way in pop culture was inside out i love that movie yeah and yeah. i and also just that whole concept everything that goes on in her mind 
with just a move, uh-huh. and I was like, "Oh, I am fucked." <laughs> when I saw that, but but the I mean the part so I'm sorry, like fucking yeah, she was spo- being kind of dramatic, wasn't spoilers, she? Spoilers, but yeah. when I didn't realize how traumatic moving was, and then I'm like, "Oh, that's traumatic." Uh-huh. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> but the when it when all of a sudden everything starts turning to sadness, like that's what my I don't like this, and I'm I'm still at this point where I like my. When someone tries to give me love, mm. like I can, how can I help you? I'm happy to help. I love to love people. And I think some of that comes from wanting the love. But the minute it actually starts to come in, I I have a legitimate fear, like a fight or flight response. Mm. And it makes me, instead of going, this is safe and comfortable, I go like, this is going to hurt me. I don't have that direct thought. I don't go, oh, I have to run. It's just like, <laughs> it's it's like a chemical it's a biological response in my body. That's interesting. I I sometimes feel like I don't know whether it's I, I I've definitely been codependent in my life. I think I think maybe one reason I, I feel connected to you is I have a lot of like similar uh some similar patterns, not exactly the same, uh of course, but yeah. I, I think it's almost like in some ways with my stand up or any of my performing or like, you know, posting things, you're like, Oh, I want the validation. And I want that. I, I'm like both simultaneously wanting the attention and wanting the love. And then if it comes, then sometimes it makes me uncomfortable when it yeah, comes like, to oh, me. Like, yeah, I'm like, oh, like, yeah, I can't oh, take a compliment. Right. Yeah. I like, can't. Yeah. I literally, my, I lowered a level of my, like I took a level off of my Patreon because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know. I, and I apologize to my patrons all the time. And like, no, we're like fans of your, and I just like, <laughs> I just feel weird taking your money, yeah. uh, even though I set this up. And <laughs> I'm so, are these good enough things? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. And then, in terms of relationships with the codependency, what I end up doing is instead of, and this is the thing I've actively, and, and the meditation has been part of that active work to learn to be present and enjoy the moment I'm in. Yeah. Because instead of enjoying like the. And I think a lot of people do this to a little to a little bit of a scale. Instead of enjoying this love you have right in front of you, like be be here now, like yeah. be in the moment. Yeah. It's where's this going? What does this mean? And I'm sort of feel like I'm doing this emotional, you know, like juggle to be like to keep this person from leaving. Because my there's that like little girl voice in mm. me that's like, they're they're gonna leave you. And so it's just like it it inadvertently becomes what can I do to keep you happy? Mm. And there, and the other person's happiness is like all I care. And it's like, now my happiness mm. depends on whether or not you're happy. And if, and which is hard, especially cause I date people who are, have very, co- like I tend to be attracted to people who have very complex minds. And from that, you're going to get people who experience depression, mood swings, not even, not even in like a, a, an unbalanced mental health way, maybe sometimes, but it's just, yes, yeah, sometimes you should be sad. Mm-hmm. Like, some weeks you, are tougher than others. You and, fucking yeah. psychopath. Like <laughs> you should, but, but when someone I love is sad and I can't immediately fix it, it's mm. like, oh, I can't fix it. I'm worthless. They're going to leave me because I don't make it. Th- like I, yeah. it's that feeling like you always have to be entertaining someone or if I'm not giving you some type of emotional dopamine rush, yeah. do you find me worthless? Yeah. You know, it's like I've uh, and I've been somebody who, especially in my early twenties and late teens, I both of my serious first two serious relationships collapsed because I was I became smothering slash codependent. Yeah, like, and it's and I, I think the challenge maybe it's like the challenge of it is that what you're I think what you're describing earlier what I would des- describe as like healthy relationships is like 
interdependency or yes, like a level because there is a level of depending on one another uh, to an extent right but it's you're also somewhat independent for yourself like you're somewhat able to take care of your own shit and well like, yeah your having your and, own shit you know i think it's been for me part of what i hope will be helpful in moving into relationships has been just the working on caring about myself yeah because it's like obviously i take care of myself and i've been independent I've been, you know, paying my own bills. I fucking, you know, wipe my own ass. I feed myself. <laughs> but So proud. <laughs> I know. But trying to work on, like, the self-worth aspect of, I do just enough for me. And it's always been, like, uh, th- like some sort of, there's a self-worth issue t- tied to, if I do anything, like, nice for myself, it feels, like, disgustingly luxurious. Mm. How dare I? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, like, a massage with you pig. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> So learning to, you know, self-care, like taking time to meditate and not going, oh, this is taking away from my work. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, if I'm not working, like all my worth was coming from my productivity, which is not, <laughs> right. um, th- which is not a measure of worth. But so many people, and I it, think just in American culture. It's easy it's, to, for me to slip into that too. Yeah, yeah. so going, no, meditate because it's good for me. Start doing, I do hot yoga because you care about yourself. So learning to genuinely, it's a very cliche thing, but okay, the way I try to treat someone when I love them, it's like, how can I do that to myself? And so that's the thing I'm working on now, making that such a routine that if and when I do see someone or like try to bring another person into my life, I'm not casting that to the wayside. Mm -hmm. Because it's just like, oh, you want to see me? Sure, I'll cancel my whole life (laughs) to come to a art show with you. Uh You know, and it's going like, yeah, I have my friends, you have your friends. I like we hopefully get along with both, but not casting aside my friends and yes. or my my things. It's um, it's like because it's just like whatever you need. It's learning how to be a good dance partner, and it's yes. like being a good dance partner might mean sometimes. Well, depending on what role you want to play, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> you, sometimes you want to like lead, sometimes you want to follow. But there's also a natural give and take. There's also an in order to dance well, no matter what your role is, like you have to. Uh, you're feeling how that person is responding. You have to be very intuitive with like, oh, I'm in. I need to be in sync with like, are they're not comfortable doing this? They are comfortable. Like, I can. I we can push a little bit farther. Oh, this is like too much. Yes. For them. Like, there's got to be a. There has to be a give and take and a presentness with yeah. it. Yeah. And that's what um one thing I love about meditation, and I've slipped out of it and. Predict- same. predictably like things only get worse whenever I slip out of meditation. No, it's like, damn it, it really does work. It helps. Yeah. It really helps. And I, th- I think what helps me is that um, all these, like, all the things we're talking about, whether it's like our codependency when things happen or like, you know, it, issues with the relationships are like issues with food, which I also have issues with food. God, me too. Cause it's like, it's not like things where you can, I like, I'm also Cold Turkey. Right. I haven't been, I haven't drank in a year and a half. And like, nice. that's easy for me to like, be like, Oh, cause I don't need to yeah, drink. No, it's like, I'm not driven. That's the thing too, is I'll go long time without drinking or I'll have a drink. Right. But I need to eat and I need to have relationships. Yeah. And so it's, it is Sticky. challenging. It's, um, but I think what I love about one thing I love about meditation is, it just reminds me that like the all whatever mental narrative I have on about something is just that, just a narrative. It's not, you know, thoughts are real but not true, as yeah. uh, Tara Brock, a uh, meditation teacher, says. Um, That's a great, you know, the summation of that. It's just recognizing like I'm having thoughts, 
but that doesn't mean they're true. It's like they're just things that like I'm versus being so identified with the the narrative to the point where I'm like, oh, the narrative is truth. The yeah. narrative is real. Getting caught up in those thoughts and being especially with relationship stuff where you go, I mean, you can invent a whole story about what a person is doing just because I haven't texted you back in five minutes. Oh I texted someone. I texted someone that I'm talking to and we've we haven't been talking that long, but like we're I, I really like him. Like, just not, uh-huh. I'm, I really like, but like, <laughs> we have a good vibe. And I, I sort of have had like stepped back from like dating apps and then like started talking to this one dude. And, you know, and it's some kind of not all the way out there, but I was like, okay, let me just see where this goes. And it's a good vibe so far, whatever, which I don't have with a lot of people because I'm just, I don't know. I, I've tried to get better at not wasting time on either person's time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to actively work on like, this isn't a vibe. This, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I texted him. <laughs> I was like, D- are you ghosting me? <laughs> and then I was like, I was like, ah. And and we had this whole conversation. She's like, no, sorry. Like, I wouldn't do that. And I was like, I'm sorry if that was a little aggressive. He's like, it's, yeah, it's kind of scary. But, <laughs> but then once we cleared up that I'm like, you're not the kind of person who ghosts. I'm not either. Cool. I probably should have just asked that from the beginning. That's hilarious. And yeah. S- but it's just what, it's no, catching I, things like that because yeah. your brain can so quickly be... And especially if you have a history of trauma, but anyone, you can just go, and and we live in such a weird time with technology too, where you just go, oh, well, like our, I, I mean, my default, I mean, and I've done this in exclusive relationships where my brain will go, oh, they're never going to talk to me again. I'll never see them again. That's yeah. what my brain does. I get that way with a lot of... Um yeah, I get that way with a lot of friends or like people or mentors in my life. I'm like, oh, I've said something that's just gonna upset them, and now they they hate me and they'll not want to work with me. Right, I um, do it too. But it and that's why it's so important to be like, oh, I am totally, I'm fabricating. I'm as uh, one of the four agreements as Don Miguel Ruiz. Have you ever heard of that book, The Four Agreements? Yes. Uh, one of them is don't make assumptions, and I was like, don't make assumptions. It's such a huge thing for me to remember. I'm like, you're just making, you're totally making assumptions about what, why this person didn't return my text or they saw my Facebook message and didn't return it. Has to be for a nefarious reason. Yeah. And then I will literally do the exact same thing to somebody else. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh no, I just I forgot. Well, yeah, no, it's like <laughs> I, I know I do this. It's like I have the worst attention span. The amount of messages I don't get back to, and then I'm like, I'm so fucking sorry. Like, oh, oops, I didn't even see this. And then, yeah, but I guess the thing about meditation is the more regularly I'm doing it now that I'm aware of all these things, the easier it is for me to go, that is just a false thought. Right. That is not truth. You're making things, this is your brain doing a little dance. Well, it's like not even that, to me, it's not even that it's like, and it's not necessarily false, but it's not necessarily true. It's not inherently true just because I'm feeling it and thinking it. Yeah. It's just, it's a thought. Now let me, the, the, Be able the, to observe that. Well, the process that, uh, again, I'm Tara, Tara Brock, great meditation teacher. <laughs> she talks about like, you you kind of, que- you can start questioning the thought. Like, is that really true? What is, why do I think that? What makes me think that? And you keep asking, your, you kind of Socratic method yourself. Yourself, yeah. And you're like, well, oh, because you really, maybe it's not true. <laughs> well, you realize some things, and depending on what you've been through are, you know, and there are some things you are like, this is why that, but then there's some things that are so false or, and I, I've been very thankful to have, you know, just friends along the way who maybe already sort of came upon all this same type of like wisdom that you just realize through mm-hmm. meditating or just life when you start to realize like, yeah, don't take things personally is another thing, you That's, know, yeah. Um, yeah. that have been very helpful in, in 
a lot of that because especially with relationships, I think because of the trauma I'm trying to work through from like that deep seated stuff, my default is it's like a self-worth thing. And that's, that's why I've had to, I've been like, let me make this uphill battle to really do the corny ass, like, and from a cynical standpoint, but it's like, yeah, I'm going to find out fucking meditate. I'll go to stupid yoga, but like to try to love myself because I mean the, the quickness that I'll default to, Oh, this person probably isn't attracted to me or like Mm -hmm. they probably think I'm boring or I'm weird where I, it's, and I'm and I'm not for everybody. Nobody is, but I've I think I've, I'm thankful to have had friends in my life that have also been able to, you know, through their sharing how they feel about me has helped me love myself a little bit more as well. Going like, oh yeah, I'm not, not I'm not a dud. Yeah. Like it's no like it's just yep. being oh. able to go. If a man is like texting me, he's not like, ugh, this slob that's <laughs> so uninteresting it's like no i'm like i i'm a catch for someone you know yeah yeah. (laughs) is going like yeah no like there's no reason getting to the point where i can go there's no reason this person wouldn't be really into me why like if i'm excited about a person and they're talking to me and like the conversation's good why would i not it's weird that the assumption is they're probably like we'll see versus oh my god how cool this girl I find attractive that's funny is seems to be into me. Yeah. Like guys get nervous too. No. I, the thing is, is <laughs> I live my, my best friend buddy. He's male and I've been living with him for a month and that has been huge for me. And I think <laughs> it's maybe helpful for him too. I don't know if he's ever had a female roommate is. And, and I try not to, you know, dehumanize people or put them into boxes, but really seeing a male and having him, like see how he gets nervous about girls or yeah. oh she's so pretty or like uh-huh. I uh I think she likes me. oh is this weird or that like yeah. we'll still do it we can we both do the uh, is it weird that I said this and and yeah. him going no that's normal no this guy is clearly <laughs> into you and vice versa I can do that for him right. has been game changing oh that's it's awesome having someone go he's like yo yo why wouldn't this guy be so <laughs> excited that he, he's probably thrilled uh-huh. you know uh-huh. and. And vice versa, you know. It's, yeah, I'm not getting a text from this person I'm still talking to and being like, ugh, this, you know. Right. It's like, no, I just would stop talking to you. Well, and also the, um, it's like part of it too is sometimes we can go the other direction. Maybe not me and you, but other people, but definitely me sometimes. <laughs> we're like, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Where you take, like, oh, this person is like, like you think the opposite where you like, you pedestalize, you think that I'm in love with this person. And I, I'm, I <laughs> like, you're, or, you, you're or just you like, idealize them. You, you put all these, you, I, exactly. You don't see, well, I think that's a lot at the beginning of relationships. It is a lot. And that's a thing that I'm, have made a conscious effort to like, let me do my best to try not to do that, which is an uphill battle. It's you're fighting a losing battle almost, Totally. but you go, Oh my God, they're, they're everything. <laughs> they're and, perfect. Yeah. And what's, what's cool about, um, there's a uh, Alan Watts has a book called The Wisdom of Insecurity that I read a long time ago and uh, can't remember all that he said, but the gist of it is that, and this is like one of the things that a lot of that Zen actually helps um, teach is getting comfortable with this idea of not knowing. It's like getting s- learning to sit with the presentness versus like sitting with certainty versus yeah. like your impulse is to come 
oh, this person come I'm, to a conclusion. Either this, either we're gonna get married, or they're I'm dead to them, or they hate me. Right. Yeah, it's that like. like Yes. This interaction went well. This is going well. I like how this feels right here and right now. And that's all I ha- This is all that is. And and that's what I want. That's what I'm actively working on. It's just like, this is a moment I'm in and I'm enjoying it. And taking, taking someone at face value for like who they are. And like, because I, I mean, part of doing comedy is making, you know, as a writing standup, you do have to make like certain sort of judgments for the sake of jokes. But right. in terms of, judging who someone is based on the things they do. I've never been someone to like judge someone negatively unless they're doing something that's like harmful and hateful towards, you know, other living beings. Right. Right. And then that's its own issue that I also struggle with. Cause I'm like, well, you know, I, that's terrible. But also if I hate them, that's like active hatred in my body. Also, they're probably responding from some kind of pain and fear. Yeah. It's like they're probably yeah. hurting and, and learning. That's just, that's a whole nother wormhole, but just learning to go, Try to but, see someone's imperfections and right. be fine with them instead of going like, wow, you're like beautiful and you're just like so interesting. And like, is there anything you do wrong? <laughs> but, well, because then it's like, you know, six months in, all of a sudden you're like, oh, you, I fucking hate that you do this thing. <laughs> it's like they did it the whole time. Or you, especially if you're, if what you're looking for is a, an exclusive type of relationship. Mm-hmm. We, and we do it with other relationships, not just exclusive, but just the a title you put on someone, a lot of times you automatically go, you're my best friend mm. and then all of a sudden there's things that like how could you do this you're my you're best, my best. And you're like i'm just a human but we do it with like you're my like boyfriend a- you should anticipate <laughs> that i'm gonna be hurt when we run out of oreos like, and it's like what you right. what what like best friend is like a member of a cabinet that has like these specific constitutionally given like, yeah, and like I didn't responsibilities that. <laughs> well and that's like- the thing is that i i think my ideal version of love in an intimate relationship or love within friendship is like there shouldn't be this like a responsibility that feels like a job it should it should be like you do things inherently because you care but this added i have to live up to this fake thing that you think i'm supposed to be right and there i feel like with a successful like loving relationships there should be some real alignment in terms of like goals and like what you want out of life of course that makes everything so much easier. And then, you know, I think too, sometimes I like, you know, when talking about meditation um, or like getting to that place of like realizing that your thoughts are real, but not true. Maybe that sounds like either clinical or like, Oh, you're disassociating or like, like it doesn't sound compassionate, but the, the point of like why so many Buddhist teachers talk about how this is really one of the gateways to compassion. And one of like the, uh, <laughs> one of the ways to really come to it is that you realize like, like Jack Cornfield talks about how when you meditate long enough, and I, it sounds like maybe this is part of your experience. On yeah, your, I really your do. <laughs> no, you're, this is great. Uh, but are you kidding? This is great. Uh, but Jack Cornfield talks about how like the 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 source of all of our actions is alleviating suffering in some way. Yeah, um, is trying to right feel better right or okay and so when you but that trying is also suffering (laughs) and so you're kind of like that that realization makes you view other people who are even causing you harm in a totally different like like the uh, the westboro baptist church actually came to pasadena a couple months ago on the campus of one of the churches uh they're just a touring church they they they, they, uh they're doing all they didn't just come to there but they came yeah they they (laughs) toured around they they did the the la i'm gonna start an improv group called westboro baptist church (laughs) (laughs) um and they uh 
you know, it's it, one thing about seeing them in person. It was weird because like we had like a we had a small counter demonstration. It was intentionally small. Like we didn't want to make it blow up and make it a thing. Yeah. Um, so we were there at our little corner, and then they walked by for their schedule. They had 15 minutes where they were allowed to protest by you know, the Pasadena government, whatever gave them a permit <laughs> for like this little. And so they walked by, and they walked by just like calmly, like with their own side. They looking exactly like a normal that was what's scary yeah but like any protest march right but just like normal people and then they they did their thing like 100 some yards away from us and then they they after 15 minutes they left and it was like very i mean at some level it's kind of scary like how clinical it was for them like oh we're just just, this is just what we do but it does make you think like man they we really aren't that different um but you're just driven by different things and they're well, especially with religious people yeah the amount of compassion i have and it's hard to talk to some of my friends who are like so far from like conservative religion that they don't even they can't wrap their mind around it or they can't even have the conversation because it's just like to them that type of mind thinking is so stupid that they can't even like give the time of day to, you're just wrong and that and you're a right. bad person right but the amount of compassion i have for people like that from the standpoint, from this exact standpoint, where it's like, yeah, that person is afraid forever. That person is so afraid of God and hell, and they are genuinely scared for everyone. Yeah. Like, it's like, it manifests in a terrible way. It would be immoral for them not to evangelize. Yeah, it's like, they're they're <laughs> so, they're like, they're like, if I don't do this, I'm going to hell. It's I like to save as many people as I can. It's like, yeah, okay, that maybe they're, in my mind, there is like an ignorance to that, because, you know, I think that's a narrow mind narrow viewpoint i think that's incorrect personally i don't think they're going to hell but it's like i do have the compassion for it this person is like trying to be okay right right you know there's um i why spiritual work is so important to me and why i want to help other people with it as best i can is when we are doing um we are doing any kind of work in the world any kind of justice work or trying to like you know, change how people see on an issue or fight for, you know, whatever cause. Um, If we don't work on our own pain, we will just pass that on to other people and it becomes a feedback loop of people who have been hurt, causing other people to be hurt. And then, I mean, that's what... Misplaced emotion going into something else. Right. And so spiritual practice gives us the chance to transform our own. I can't, I'm now I'm cribbing this from somebody I can't remember, but like we transform our pain so that we don't transmit it. Yeah. Um, and I just think that's so important. And, um, I think that's a big part of one of my, one of my favorite Ram Dass quotes is that in order to protest effectively, you have to love the person you're protesting against as much as the idea idea as you're as you much to, as you hate the idea like you just, have, yeah you have to like yeah you have basically you have, you have to, to love, love them, them more than you hate the their idea you have to like you have to love them is. as if they were you because they are in some sense they are they you. Are, yeah um and you have to be detached from that and also we just got distracted by these two Those adorable, adorable dogs, dogs. <laughs> um yeah they're so cute you <laughs> know i'm like oh yeah you have to be able to de- separate the idea from the person and yeah it, it puts their own ego guard down and be like Huh. They're willing to listen. Yeah, when you can go, hey, I don't hate you, but I feel different. Let's have a conversation about this. And they may not 100% agree with me, but oftentimes I feel like I've moved them at least another couple of steps towards my direction or at least yeah. made them. It might make them, when the next time they engage with this issue, be like, 
well, no, I, I get where they're coming from, and my friend Joe feels this way about it, so I know it's not completely crazy. Yeah, um, so they get more know. empathetic to the other side. Yeah. First of all, day day two, I was in so much pain from day one that they, and I talked to them about it, because it was because of my arthritis, they let me sit in a chair that only like old people were sitting in chairs with backs. But um, it got worse and worse. The like spiraling in my head probably built up more and more because it was just a lot of my body hurts. Come back to your breath. Come back to your breath. Think about this terrible thing. Think about this weird, non-important memory from childhood about a friend like picking your nose or whatever, you know, Um, up to day seven. Day seven is when I really thought I was going to like explode. And they said that they're like around day four and day seven are going to be the hardest days. So it's sort of built toward on day seven. I was like, I think I'm, I'm, I don't think I can keep doing this. Like I was going to, like I was snapping. Like I just felt like I was going to go insane and rip my hair out. Um, and then I guess it's the equivalent of like the alleged runner's high, which for the record, I did a mar- marathon, never felt a runner's high, still pissed about it. I only did it to try to get high. Um, <laughs> But, like, somewhere in the morning of day eight, because it's just, like, two more days. To you, I went in, like, okay, fuck, here we go again. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to. And then all, it was just, like, breath and, like, trying to do it. And then all of a sudden it just, like, calm, like, washed over. Like, it was just, like, a, I, didn't, I didn't even realize it because all of a sudden I was just actually meditating. And it was no more of the, like, I fucking hate this. I can't even meditate. Breath. Fucking focus on your nose. And then all of a sudden, it was, I was just like, and I didn't even realize it until the bell rang at the end of the session. And I was like, so calm. And it was the first time, I think, during that meditation. And not the first time in my life, because it had happened a couple times before, like the first time after I did that weird acupressure thing, that I was fully present. Like, no thoughts, no feelings, which if you had told me before I had experienced that the first time, that that was even possible, I would have thought you were a lunatic. Like when people who were more into meditation before I was into it would talk about observing your thoughts, I was like, you're a schizophrenic. That's insane. You can't separate yourself from your thoughts. Or like I didn't know, I, it took, I, like the moment I realized I was like, oh, my emotions are not who I am. That's, and I also realized I, I am like, that's almost an addiction in of itself is that like I, I didn't, I'm more comfortable with chaotic emotions. So having to let go of, like be able to be in stillness was a huge thing. Um, I guess that was it. And I guess like the crux of my show, cause I, I around like day four or five, I was like, this should be a show. I don't know what it's going to do, but sort of like the overarching of the whole thing is it's about this woman's or just, it's about the journey of trying to find stillness in a chaotic world. You know, like, so even though this is clearly like, about a place that's uh, the calmest environment you could be, but your mind can still be this like war zone. And it's like learning to exist within that without adding to the anxiety and the stuff. So, you know, it's trying to find a way meditation for me just sort of has built this small foundation of trying to find a way to, not let all the chaos around me force me to react. You know, being able to, like, stay calm 
when those feelings come up, which is, and and I'm not saying I do that perfectly. I get wrapped up in them still, but at least knowing that it's possible has made me able to uh, get back to calm quicker. There's a, I have quoted this. It's so stupid. It's from a country song. I've quoted it, I think, on like two podcasts already. But there's a line in this uh, Dirk Bentley song called Burning Man. And he goes, I still go, cr- I still go crazy. Um, sometimes I just don't stay there as long. And like just that concept of being able to come back to who you, like not, because there was a time where I couldn't, like I, I, when in the times I've been suicidal, I don't think it's, a, it's not the same for everybody, but I think there are similarities for a lot of people. Mine have never been in a deep depression so much as like, um, it's more of like a manic spiral of anxiety and there's so many bad thoughts and I can't turn it off. Like I couldn't stop my mind. And it wasn't about, nothing was wrong with my life. It wasn't like I shouldn't live anymore. It was like, I, I cannot exist with my brain like this. I need to shut it off. And so learning to have a tool where I can come back to like being calm or separate myself from that feeling or just the little lifeboat of when the feeling is very overwhelming of like, just like this isn't going to last forever. This feeling is not forever. You're going to be okay. It sucks. Right. Like the shitty thing is, or the cynical, like the, I guess maybe the funny thing in it is there's moments where I can go, this is not going to last forever. And then the immediate next thought is, doesn't make me feel any better right now. Still feeling really shitty. That didn't help. But having that little light at the end of the tunnel to go, it's going to be, it's, this is not permanent. Groundbreaking. And it's, I am like forever changed from that experience. And then being able to, what the show itself was, was trying to capture a 10 day silent meditation within an hour show. And it's got the video element is like everything that's going on in my mind. And then there's like a silent physical comedy aspect to me live on stage trying to be quiet and still. And like you see what's going on. And it's this sort of paradox of trying to find stillness while there's still so much chaos going on. Um, And the amount of people who have seen it that are like it it spoke to in different ways because I just wanted to share my thing. I was like, I want to put this out somewhere Uh, has been it's been nice. And. Uh, and reaffirming for the com- like my own comfort of trying new things like that or maybe different mediums because I'm, I'm kind of like, I mean, I'm a comedy store comic, so there is the, like, how much it hurt me, just like, not hurt me, but like how hard it was for me to be like, yeah, I'm doing a one-woman show. <laughs> like, because there's this like, I was just like such a pure stand-up is just what I have just leaned into. And there's this sort of these, you know, kind of douchey, maybe like stigmas about like, oh, you're a one-woman show. What are you, what are you, gay? And it's like, what? What does that have to do with anything? Maybe. But like, (laughs) but it's just like, oh, that's for, you know, that's not real comedy. And being able to go like, okay, I don't have to, I can do things that don't have to be real comedy. And at the same same time being like kind of like afraid to tell my like cool stand-up comedian friends I'm doing a one-woman show. At the same time, calling it a one-woman show was this, like, way for me to relieve that. It's the same with storytelling, as you, like, I think mentioned on my podcast. Just the pressure of, okay, if everyone's not laughing every time, that doesn't mean it's not going well. It doesn't mean they're not enjoying it. This is just a different way for me to put, share my thoughts.
And that's the show. Once again, thank you so much to Jessica for coming out. Thank you for listening. Go to chooseyourownreligion.com for all the latest stuff that's going on. And uh, remember, review equals free sticker. So do that. All right. I love you. Jamaste. Hi, I'm Winston. And I'm David. And we're the hosts of a new podcast on Campfire Media called Try It, You'll Like It. And on our podcast, we have our guests eat a food they hate one last time. And we have so many crazy yes. We got amazing chefs. We have killer comedians. Bakers. Candlestick makers. Distillers. Brewers. Food writers. Oh, they're Ooh. writing about food. Ooh, they're probably having some food while they're writing about that yeah, food. Yeah, because we're eating food, and they're eating food, and you're listening to It Happen. All you ASMR heads, enjoy. Chomp, chomp. So check it out every Thursday at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. Mmm, that was good. Campfire. <laughs>